Well, this is going to be the bee's knees. You're welcome. What was that? You're welcome. With Hillary Rushford. Say it again. You're welcome. In advance. Hello, lovelies. I want to have a conversation today in which I walk the walk on demonstrating why it is so hard to do less. If you have been hanging out with me for any period of time, or if this is our first time hanging out because a friend sent you here because she was like, you know what, you're, you need to hear this topic, or you're, you two are passionate about this topic, I am so fascinated by how we are overwhelmed, burnt out, spread too thin, feel too busy. I think it is so universal, whether you are an entrepreneur or a mom or wish you had more friendships or you called your mom more, you were pursuing your creative pursuit or your day job just takes a lot of hours and energy. I mean, all of the things pre-COVID, during COVID, post-COVID, we can all relate to either a lifestyle of feeling like we have too much and we wish it was a little slower or to seasons of feeling burnt out and overwhelmed. And I love when I can share a really granular example because if this problem were easy to solve, we would already have solved it. And I wouldn't talk about it so often because it would be less interesting to me. I'm interested in the complexity, in complex issues of why is it so hard to shift this thing, to break through in this area that maybe isn't bringing us as much joy as we could have. And I love when I can share granular examples because it allows us to peel back the layers at what's the real thought process? What's the real trade-off? And you today will have a different example in listening, but my hope is that my insights can help you be like, okay, that's what I think is holding me back or that's what's tripping me up in taking the next step for myself in creating a little bit more space in my life. So the meta example for today is I am going to take a hiatus from the podcast for the first time in two and a half years until my book is fully submitted. And by the way, one thing that just occurred to me, we passed a million downloads on the podcast a while back, and I haven't celebrated that. It's one of the things on my to-do list. Um, You know, I was going to order the classic Mylar balloons, the one and the M, and do a post on Instagram about it. But as we'll talk about today, I'm just having to do less and less to prioritize the book and even celebrating something that is a really big milestone. And you know I'm passionate about celebrating, about honoring milestones, uh, about taking those moments. And yet even that sometimes falls in second place when there's a really big goal. And also I will say we've had multiple amazing new reviews. I'm not going to read them today because there's so much that I want to share, but they are beautiful Pause for a minute, swipe up, read what your community here had to say. You are being kinder to yourself. You're bursting with new ideas. You're accepting yourself more. I just want you to know every time I read one of those paragraphs that you write, I'm like, I cannot wait to hug you in person on this book tour. (laughs) So I also just want to say, while we're talking today about some of the fear that comes up with doing less, it would mean so much to me if you would take a moment 
and tap those five stars, whether or not you have time to write a few sentences. But if you haven't already to do that, tap those five stars. I mean, grab grab your partner's phone. Grab your kid's phone. Be like, can I can I just have your, your podcast app for one second? I'm just going to go over the Welcome Podcast. I'm just going to tap those stars just to like give her another thing because I already did this like two years ago. But truly, that would mean so much because we're going to talk today in part about the fears that we have in in doing less and the lack, the narrative, the scarcity narrative that can come up. And so if I could step away for a season to give you the greater gift in the long run of the book and in the meantime, somehow counterintuitively actually increase my reach with the podcast because this compelled more of you to take a moment, leave a review so that someone else stumbles upon it and joins our community, that would be amazing. But this decision today of of taking a hiatus from the podcast and walking the walk, it became so clear because I have this really big goal of writing the book. And it's become clear as I get closer. So I have a clear priority, a very clear what matters most. And I have an approaching clear deadline. I have deadlines coming up of when the first draft of my manuscript is due and then when the final edits can be turned in, and then we move on to the art direction of it. And because I can see the dominoes, I know how freaking long it takes for a book to come out. I don't want to miss those deadlines, even if I didn't care about honoring my word to my publisher, which I do. Even if that wasn't the case, I want to get this book in your hands. So if I delay, if I believe that the greatest impact I can have for you is this book, and I kick the can further down the road by delaying the book a few more months, because in the meantime, I wanted to get you one more podcast episode a week, I'm not ultimately helping you. And so the first thing that I want to say is that I'm able to have this clarity because I realize in hindsight why don't I have this clarity all the time? Why do I continue to have times, whether it's a day, a week, a month, a season, a year, why do I continue to have too many things? Well, because I don't always have the clarity of this is absolutely the most important thing and I have a deadline. And I have said since the beginning of, for years and years and years that I had an aha back in 2013 I believe it was, maybe 2012. I started my business in 2011. So real early on in my business, I had an awareness. My parents were living over in London and I was going to go join them for six weeks. And because of the deadline of getting on a plane, you get so much clarity because that deadline is approaching and it is fixed. It is not flexible. That plane is going to leave without you. You have already paid for it. And so you want to get there. And as the date gets closer, you start to have more and more clarity of, I have a week left. I'm not going to get all this stuff done. I have three days left. I'm not going to get all this stuff done. I have one day left. What are the things that I'm going to get done? And what are all the other things that I'm like, you know what? Didn't didn't clean that thing, didn't organize that thing. I, like You just start letting things go left and right when you truly have a deadline. But our life, I mean, it's in some ways, thankfully, doesn't operate in tight deadlines that often because maybe that would be tiresome <laughs> over time. But when we do have those big clarity moments of the deadline, or rather when we have those moments of the big deadline, it gives us the clarity that we got to do less. And when that is paired with 
a clarity on these are the things that matter most, it becomes way easier, though not entirely easy, but way easier to let things go. I say that it is not easy because here's the things that come up for me. Number one, I really love doing the podcast. I decided, I debated whether or not to take a break. I talked about it with my team. I decided that I was pretty positive it's what I was going to do. And as I was sitting journaling about why this was the right decision, I had four ideas for podcast scripts. I paused journaling. I opened up and I started typing. I wrote four podcast scripts before I went back to my journal and was like, okay, so I have a lot of ideas of things that I want to talk about, of topics that have come up recently, of things we've been discussing on stories or books that I've read, and I just feel like it would we would love it. It would help us all. And yet, writing the script is a small portion of it. Now we need to record it. I need to write the descriptions. I need to write the emails. I need to give the notes to the editor. All these other things that I, I felt in that moment, this is why it's so hard because I love this. And I think that that is the main thing that trips us up, all of us, is that we love a lot of things. If you didn't like something, it would be easy to give it up. But we either like the thing that we're doing, we like the way it feels to do it, we feel fulfilled from doing it, or we like the result it gives us, we like the the next way it's going to make us feel, it's going to make us feel involved and included or helpful or successful or whatever it is. You might like the the experience of doing it or you might like the result that it gives you. But that's why it's so hard to let it go because you're looking at, I have 12 things and I love all of them. They're all good. I don't want to have to pick. And so we deny the reality that by not choosing, we are choosing. If I didn't choose to step away from the podcast right now, what I would be unconsciously choosing is that I'm going to spend less hours working on the book. And then either I'm going to push back the deadline and delay when the book comes out, or the book is going to be poor quality when it comes out. Because it is a math equation. Those hours factually have to go someplace. So if it is 90 minutes that I'm investing in, in a podcast and that is, you know, six hours in a month, you know, it, initially we can be like, I think this is the other part of it. Initially you're like, even as I say that out loud, I'm like, well, that's not that many hours, right? Like, you know, six hours. I mean, how much more am I really going to make the the book stronger in six hours? But this decision gets paired with a lot of other decisions. The decision to announce that we hit a million downloads on the podcast. I researched balloon places in in Brooklyn. Actually, that I delegated. I had my business manager research balloon places in Brooklyn. But then I have to look over her notes. And then I have to make the order. And then I have to be here to receive the order. And then I have to take the photo and then edit the photo and then post the photo and write the caption and then stay on Instagram and engage in the comments. It seems like it's going to be a small task. And it would be super fun and fulfilling to do and wise for business to, you know, announce that milestone. But okay, that's another three hours we're talking there. Six hours plus three hours. Like all those little tasks add up. And then that's how over time you're like, I, my deadline is here and I need another two weeks. 
And you're like, well, where did your eight hours Monday through Friday go? And you're like, well, one day was the podcast and then a half day was that photo and then this, and it all adds up from there. And it's it, because we love all of it, we want to justify it. And I can just feel in my gut as I say it six hours, I'm like, is it really only six hours? Because that doesn't seem like a lot, right? And yet I know when I've laid out my month of writing, there, there, there are no extra six hours to give <laughs> and that this decision also needs to be paired with other things. So I think the first thing that we acknowledge is we, we love the things we're having to give up and that is why they are hard. Or again, we love the way they make you know, us feel. And the second part of that is we see the value or fear the repercussions, so I initially have ideas that I want to share with you that I think would bring you value. I love recording this podcast. I love having the conversations with you afterwards on Instagram. So that's the more immediate short-term pleasure that I get from it. But then there's also a longer-term value of it. And whether that's saying, I see how this is going to help me, or I see how this might hurt me, or I might be fearful about the fact that it would hurt me, we see the domino effect. I was having a conversation over the weekend on Instagram about the constant pace, the constant pace of life in a lot of ways. It is in some ways specific to entrepreneurship, but it's also just our culture. We are in this conveyor belt of capitalist consumerism. And I say capitalist consumerism because we don't actually need to work this hard. There, I think it was John Maynard Keynes, maybe, the famed economist, a hundred years ago, uh, prophesied that a hundred years in the future, aka now, we would barely be working. So much would have been automated. I've shared before, I think it's in the 60s maybe, that Congress was talking about what are Americans going to do with their time? They're only going to be working a few hours a day. Is this going to be a problem? For decades before us, they thought that in our time, we were going to have so much systems, simplicity, and automation that we were going to be twiddling our thumbs and we were going to be figuring out what else do we do in life but work. Instead, we are busier than ever because we just raised the definition of what was enough. And, and I'm, I'm part of this as well. I mean, I don't know what I would have thought was enough if I lived in the 60s, if I was a, a grown adult in the 60s. What would my definition of what a nice enough home and nice enough clothes and enough gadgets and enough entertainment and enough travel and all the things that go into our budgets that we are then spending money on and needing to keep working to, you know, to have those things and to kind of keep up with one another. We've just raised the definition of what is enough. And so we actually made, we, we could have made enough money and worked enough decades ago. And it, it, what's so hard about it is it's not an individual, it's not just an individual decision. Yes, we all have ownership and autonomy that we can all look at our budgets and say, am I experiencing lifestyle creep? How do I feel about that? But I also really acknowledge this is the sea we are swimming in and the current is strong. This is everywhere around us. It's not just you 
like Betty or Bess who's listening today, that the rest of us have all got this figured out and you're just so gluttonous and you're just so hungry for, you know, more things and more stuff. Like, no, we're all in this place. We all are a part of this current that just goes faster and faster, even though our forefathers were like, well, they're not, they're just going to go slower and slower. So that's a deep dive conversation for the other day that I think I will be unpacking for years to come. But for entrepreneurs specifically, Instagram and podcast are a classic example. And if you are not an entrepreneur, think of what this application might be in your life. So over the weekend, I started the conversation because a colleague of mine, Crystal Bick, who is a beautiful um, creative director on Instagram, she uh, recently experienced the death of her dog, who had been her, you know, companion for many, many years. She was devastated. She decided to take a week away and just like allow herself to grieve. And when she came back to Instagram, she noticed that the reach of her posts was half of what it was. So if she normally got 2,000 likes on a photo, now she was getting 1,000 likes. And she had been gone for a week. And she is a full-time influencer. That is the way that she makes her income. So imagine, even if that isn't your field, that if you need to take a week for a personal emergency, if your salary dropped by 50%. Because if those numbers stay and she's working with brands or she's going off of affiliate links, then they are they are going to pay her less. She is going to be making less. So it is not, and I think this is such a misnomer that we have in society where we think that influencers care about being fancy and being famous, and I'm sure some of them do. But the ones that I personally follow and am friends with, that's not it at all. This is just their job. And they are talented, creative people that I am blessed by every day because they bring beauty and inspiration and creativity into my feed. And if they couldn't make a living doing that, they would only be able to create a fraction of it because they'd be spending their whole day doing something else in the world. They would not have all of this time. So that is a very viable business model. But what I realized, and it's it's like I should know this, it just kind of hit me even stronger, is that Facebook or Instagram, any of these social media platforms, and I think sometimes we kind of vilify Facebook and Instagram. I was just talking about this with Jeremy last night because there was the whole whistleblower thing that came out on Saturday, Sunday night on 60 Minutes about Facebook. And then Monday, Facebook and Instagram were down. And, you know, I said to him, we talk so much about Facebook and Instagram, but I don't really know, like, could another platform come along that solves, quote unquote, all of the evils that we see there? Or are we just, as a culture now, we are just used to being constantly connected, constantly consuming, seeing the play-by-play of people's lives, seeing what other people are up to all day, every day. And we could we could solve for some of the things, but foundationally and fundamentally, is it really going to be that different? So anyways, this is to say I'm not necessarily railing against Facebook or Instagram. Like we're, this is just the culture that we live in. And even if it was another app, they make money from content, from people being online, from people creating content online. The more people that post, the more eyes, the more engagement, the more they make money. So they are financially motivated to reward those people who create the most consistently and frequently for them. 
If you will burn out your life and never take a moment off, they will give you more money. You know, if if you are on there to make your income as an influencer or as a part of your business, they will reward your nonstop hustle. They will give you more money the harder that you work or or the more often that you work. I shouldn't say the harder because you could do a like, you know, you could regram a quote and that took you no time compared to this really in-depth reel. So it isn't entirely the harder you work, the more money you make. I would say it's the more frequently you work the more frequently engaged you are, the more money you're going to make. There is an underlying pace and it was pretty alarming to just see so clearly with Crystal that to be able to take a week to grieve, to have a personal emergency, to be sick, to take a true holiday without documenting any moment of it, I mean, I think we would all agree that sounds really mentally unhealthy to feel that you can't do that, right? But And I see so many fellow creators, specifically over the last year or so, and I feel like we've talked about this here a little bit, I think because we were all even more connected during the pandemic, and then with Black Lives Matter, and then into the election, there was three things that happened, March, June, November, that we were there, we were more connected than ever. We were more anxious than ever. We were looking to our phones for, for news, for answers, for insights, for connection. And I think during that time, a lot of people just started to, a lot of creators just started to get burnt out and be like, I, I can't live on my phone this much. It's even higher than it used to be. And the vitriol also got amped up. We got more scared. We got more divided, more divisive. So it feels like the negative commentary got even more amped up. So it was already hard with both the pace and the mental health effects of being online. And I think both of those things got even more amplified. So I've had multiple uh, friends and colleagues be like, I can't do this anymore. And so I've really been watching for the last year Well, if you can't be here anymore, where do you go? Because Instagram is the only place I have for real dialogue. Those of you that are with me on Instagram stories and are DMing me, I mean, it's, I've, I learned so much. I'm able to reflect back to you so much. Um, It's, it's just been amazing whether we've been talking about COVID or Black Lives Matter or politics or motherhood or just so many different topics. I love having the podcast. But if we didn't also have Instagram, it would it would be very one-sided, right? Unless you specifically called in and we made it more of a focus that you're leaving voice memos and you're sending emails with your thoughts. But it just you have to intentionally think, "Oh, I should go leave Hillary this question." Whereas you're already on Instagram and you're already following me on Instagram. So you don't have to set aside a little mental task to go do it. It just happens really organically. So if we only had the podcast and I wasn't on Instagram, it would really just be me talking to you rather than you talking back. And the dialogue to me is what makes it so rich and what allows us to bring in other perspectives than mine and for me to hold space for all of that. I could start a Facebook group for us. Some podcasts have Facebook groups, but that's the same company. I mean, Facebook, Instagram, group, stories and DMs, like, you know, potato, potato. Uh, we have email, and hopefully you are on my email list. I will put a link for the uh, the waitlist for the Elegant Excellence Journal 
in this description. If you're not on my email list, please get on that because as we saw with the Instagram outage, these platforms can just crumble one day. They can be taken away. So truly, if there's someone that you really get value from their content, be engaging with them more than one place so that if their account gets hacked, if their account gets shut down, if something breaks, you don't only have one place and then months go by and you're like, I never heard from that person what happened. And meanwhile, they were creating content. You just weren't benefiting from it. So I have email, but again, it's one-sided. And I just like... Sure, you could write back to me on there, but it's just a different, you know, and you would never see my face either. I think that's the other thing about Instagram. I love podcasts, but there's such a difference, right? When you can see my face and you can see my home and you can see the sunset from the balcony, it's it adds more depth and richness to all the different, you know, the humor and the beauty and all the things that we can bring in. So I've really been paying attention over the last year as some friends have been like, I can't do this anymore. I'm piecing out. And I'm like, well, where are they going? And so far, everyone has come back because there isn't another place. Instagram is where we all already are hanging out. So if you want to go start your own community on Discord or something, you've, you're, you're losing the fact that we're all already there and we're all already addicted. So we may as well be using our addiction towards like the positive people that we want to you know, interact with. But because I've I've acknowledged what Crystal saw in such a specific microcosm of taking a week away. And by the way, I had another uh, girlfriend in my life who, uh, it's just occurring to me now, this was like a year and a half ago, she took a break for a week to be with her family and just to like kind of give herself the exercise of putting her phone away. And she absolutely saw a decrease in her revenue. She is in an MLM business, um, not in uh, the influencer space. But similarly, that's how powerful Instagram was for her business. So she lost money by taking that week away. And I think that that's just really important for us to think about for creators. Again, even if that isn't your business, it just helps you be like, oh, this is what's happening in the world. This is the pacing that's being set. And then maybe you are a kindergarten teacher, but you have a girlfriend that's a creator or you have a girlfriend that runs a business and you realize, oh, they're constantly hyper-connected and I'm affected by that. And it's not because my friend is just, you know, silly and shallow and has this addiction. This is her business and I don't, you know, begrudge her that. So in my case, because over the years, I have not been able to keep up with the pace of Instagram. I have prioritized other things because there's pros and cons to the way my business model works, but I'm not an influencer. I don't make my money on Instagram, which means I've run a whole business over here that needs my hours. And so I have a lot less time in certain seasons to be present. But it is also a part of my business. So I do take a hit at not being able to keep all those balls in the air. And I think that it's so important to me, especially for other entrepreneurs to hear me say this, that when I even say that I'm going to pause and take a hiatus from the podcast, there are repercussions from that or there may be repercussions. If I can't, run my mastermind and run my classes and be on Instagram and be on the podcast and write a book, then certain of those channels, I'm, I'm going to miss people that were only hanging out with me there or that disconnect from something else or that then they just stop seeing me even when I come back. And I have absolutely seen that in Instagram that I've really had to kind of accept I have a much smaller community on there 
than I did years ago. And that's not what it's gonna look like on my profile number when you go. But in terms of the actual people who see my content, maybe they followed years ago, but they haven't even seen me since because of the algorithm. I've, I've had to accept that with the privilege that I do have a successful business. I have other levers where some of my other friends don't. You know, Crystal is an influencer. That's her whole world. My friend is an MLM. Instagram was the place that she sold. So I also, it's just really important to me that I'm not like, well, you know, I'm kind of okay. As a teacher, I want to be like, well, how? what's the answer for everyone? And I don't think that that my influencer friends are necessarily called to go create businesses and that my MLM friends are called to go create courses and coaching. Like everybody shifting their entire business model is not necessarily, you know, the answer. But even for me, it's still discouraging to just feel less value from what you put out. You know, when you when you put forth effort, like just imagine being a professor at a university and you teach in a big lecture hall and for a few years, your lecture hall of like 500 students is just packed out. And it's such good energy, right? And they're raising hands and they're laughing and like it's good. And then all of a sudden, you show up for class one day and there's like 100 people in there. It's like 80% empty. It's just going to feel like a really different vibe and it's going to feel subconsciously a little less satisfying because you're like, well, I prepared the same lesson. I put in all the same work. I'm going to do the same presentation. I'm going to give all the same energy. But I had five times the students that I was blessing with this information. Even if I'm getting paid the same, it's just not as satisfying unless there was a reason why you said, hey, I'm going to cap this VIP session at 100 because I want to be able to like really read all of your, you know, end of year projects or something like that. If you intentionally said, I want to make this community smaller, but when all of a sudden it just is like the, the way the world works, poof, all these people disappear, that still is discouraging. And that's I say that because taking a podcast break – I acknowledge that there is that fear that you'll find someone else to fill this slot for you. One of the amazing gals who left a review said, like, during my commute to work, once a week, I pop in Hillary. Well, what if you find someone else to pop in, and then when I come back once the book is submitted, you're like, oh, I kind of forgot about you. I kind of found someone that I like better. I kind of just got out of the rhythm. I kind of started focusing, you know, on something else. And I think that is so often why it is hard to do less is because we have that fear. What if I invest in less friends and then some of them fall through or don't pan out or or move? What if I'm less in the loop at church or my nonprofit organization because I decide I'm not going to serve as much or I'm not going to be in a leadership capacity? What if the other parents connect at all those games when I say, you know what, I'm going to start going to e- – one out of every two of my child's soccer games instead of every one? Am I going to be out of the loop because the other parents, you know, are connecting? Are the other parents going to judge me? If I'm not on the PTA, am I not going to know what's happening at school? Would that other revenue stream have been more profitable? I mean, I think business and personal, it is either, again, number one, the, the valid, the joy, the fulfillment that I get from this or as a result of this, or it's the fear of, Am I going to miss out on something? Am I going to lose my momentum? Am I going to have less traction, et cetera? 
Again, whether that's in relationships or, you know, revenue. And so I think that's so important, again, when we talk about these layers of peeling back, what's really happening? What is the real story that's coming up for me as to why, as to all the many reasons why I really don't want to take a hiatus from the podcast. And the only reason that I can get to this answer is because I am so clear on what I love the most what matters the most, even though lots of things can come in a very, very close second. But in this season, I am so clear that it is the book. And I think it's also because there's a really clear trade-off. A book, if I didn't believe in the value of a book, I would not be doing all the work for the little pay of writing a book. But I do believe that books have changed my life more than a podcast has changed my life. Because a book is... 10 hours of one conversation deeply researched and written with nuance and guiding you through a path and a really good book, you go back and reread. You highlight it and you reread your highlights. You read it again in another season. You read the audiobook and then you realize you want to absorb more from it. So you get you know, the physical book or vice versa. Books have changed my life in a more sustainable way than a podcast ever has. So, I, and I also have been deeply blessed by podcasts, which is why I do both. But for me, knowing the value of the book and the fact that a book, it's it lives on. It's something tangible. It might live on your shelf for 20 years. Podcasts may no longer exist and you may still have that book. You may have, you know, passed it down to your, your daughter at some point because you're like, this book really shaped my vision of what makes women feel beautiful. And, you know, now that you're heading off to college, I think it would really bless you. So it's it's easier for me to say, okay, there is a trade-off of losing a season in your ears having this dialogue. I see that that is a shorter term gain or loss compared to the alternative. And we just don't often get that clarity. And yet, even when it is much smaller, much murkier and messier, those are the same decisions that we're faced with every day. And so I think it's, to me, it's the value of the Elegant Excellence Goals Journal in a lot of ways is that it, uh, which is uh, coming out next month in November uh, for 2022, is that it guides you through that process of really getting clear on what does matter most and then it it has you continue to go back to that every month, every week throughout the year and to kind of keep refocusing to help us make these smaller decisions. And on a more daily or weekly level, it guides you through the mindset and that time for reflection to say, what are my fears that are coming up? Where am I overcomplicating this? Where do I have a story that I'm going to miss out, that I'm going to be judged, that I, I don't trust that I'm making the right decision? Because when we don't make those decisions, they are still made by default. As I said, the book just isn't as good or the deadline doesn't get made, which, you know, like it just, we don't go deeper on any of our friendships. We don't have more joy in motherhood. Whatever the thing is that we miss out on because we didn't make those decisions. But it does require a leap of faith and trust that the most important thing will be worth it. And that's why I wanted to share on this today because I am aware even in doing it, I, I, I still feel fearful and I still feel sad. 
I wish I didn't have to take a hiatus because I love this. And I wish that in a season where I already, if you look at my Instagram feed, again, didn't I didn't intentionally take a break there. I think that's the other thing. Here, because I have a commitment to you to show up every Wednesday, I am going to have a conversation with you if I'm not going to be here next Wednesday. But on Instagram, I don't have that very clear commitment where it's like, hey guys, I promise every single Sunday I'm going to post and therefore weeks ago was my last post and I I didn't intentionally say, you know what, I'm going to stop posting on my, my Instagram feed in this season. And that is so much more often what happens because we don't have these really clear containers like I do. We don't have the clear deadline. Even the fact that there's a Wednesday podcast is a deadline. I have a deadline of the book that is staring me in the face and I'm like, I need more time for this. I've been writing three days a week for the last four months. I need to write four days a week now because at this pace, I'm not going to get it done or I'm not going to get it done with the confidence that, you know, at the level that I want to get it done. So there's that deadline. And then there was also the deadline of like, okay, I do a podcast every Wednesday. So am I going to keep doing this every Wednesday or am I going to make a decision on Instagram my decision is not to decide into the woods. Um, I wasn't faced with that clear decision. And so honestly, I think it would have been classier and cleaner. And oh my gosh, my conscience would be clearer. I would have less of that mental, oh, I should post. I wonder if I should get around to posting. You know, I could do like a one million thing for the uh, for the downloads. That would be really great. Like I, I wouldn't be always thinking about it. Once I do this episode, I'm not every week going to be like, oh, should I do a podcast episode? Like, no, I, I've made my decision and I've made it really clear and it's going to give me so much more peace than I have given myself on Instagram while I've been uh, writing this book. So I will be on hiatus until the book is fully submitted. And I'm not entirely sure when that is because this is my first time writing a book and my book is not just the the text, but also the art direction. So there are different deadlines. I have my first manuscript due. Then they look at the uh, the content. They come back with content edits. I do a second pass at it. Then they do copywriting edits. Then I approve the copywriting edits. Then we move into the design and the illustrations of the art direction and the layout. And again, we go back and forth. So I, at this point, don't fully know what, what the path looks like or how much is involved in, and asked of me at certain seasons. So I'm not entirely sure what that timing is. I will tell you, I will be back for a couple of weeks when the Elegant Excellence Journal releases because, again, that product to me has given me the breakthrough that has allowed me to write this book in a not totally insane way. <laughs> and it's both the journal and the workshops that go along with it so I'm really excited to tell you what we're doing for next year. So again, I will put that waitlist link below if you are not already on that. Look for an email coming to give you a save the date of exactly when in November those will go on sale. And in the meantime, coming out with me on Instagram stories. I don't know how often I will be there, but it is a much quicker way for me to like pop in and say hello and have a conversation whenever it uh, sparks the mind. So definitely hang out with me on Instagram stories. There, When the Emmys happened recently... There's a TV show that I have not watched called I May Destroy You, and it was the writer for that episode said something in her speech that has gone around a lot that I've been thinking about. You could go Google the full quote, but it has something to do with the fact that as a creative, as a writer, be okay disappearing for a while. 
And I have thought about that so often since she said that because I realize, again, that's what I've done on, on my Instagram feed. I've disappeared for a while to go do something better. And just because someone isn't present doesn't mean that they aren't you know, working and creating deeply, it may actually mean the opposite. And it also isn't, I think what is a little bit challenging in that is that it isn't required, which means I've got plenty of friends not doing it. I've got plenty of friends writing books that are on Instagram so much, I've had to unfollow them because I just found it triggering for me because it was like, how is this girl doing all of this stuff? And I know logically the answer is she enjoys a faster conveyor belt than I do. And it's not, A, I don't enjoy a life that's that fast-paced and full stop, that's all I need to be able to answer to. But also, it's just not where I create the best. I mean, the way that I write this book, there's times when like I just stare out the window and cry for 30 minutes trying to like process something and figure out like how I'm going to take you and I to the other side of it. And that just... That's just the way I create is in slowness and spaciousness. And that may be the way that you cultivate friendships or that you parent or you sow into your marriage or you deepen your faith or you do your creative work or you experience personal growth through going to therapy and all of the things. A lot of us, it's better in the slowness. And I can't speak for every friend I have that runs really fast. Maybe it would be better for them in the slowness? And maybe not. Maybe they truly are their absolute best selves when they're running really fast. For years, I told myself that that was me, that I loved the adrenaline of the buzziness and the busyness. But the less I've done, the happier I've become. And now I wonder, was that Did I really like that or was that just my body in a constant state of fight or flight that just felt normal? And was I telling myself that because I didn't know how else to get out of it? Or was I just, you know, like, I don't know, maybe it's like some of the drinking problems. Like, no, I love being a little tipsy all the time. You're like, well, I don't know, though. Have you tried having relationships where you were totally sober? Like, have you tried the other to know that you really love this and this isn't just the devil you know versus the devil you don't. So for me, slowing down allows me to create better. I am more focused on the big picture, the long term of what I can choose that is going to bless you and I the most. And I really do say you and I because I, you know, you teach the best what you need the most. And I need this book. I need this book on exploring what makes women feel beautiful to be kinder to myself, to be a better mother if I have a child one day, to be a better aunt, to be a better friend, um, to be a better human. I need this book and I truly believe that every single woman I know needs this book and that is the vision. I'm going to get choked up. That is the vision that I'm holding on to right now because I really believe in it so much that I'm willing to make the hard, scary decisions to let go of things that I love, let go of things that I am scared to let go of for a season to prioritize what matters most. So I will see you over on Instagram stories. I will be back here next month as we talk about the Elegant Excellence Goals Journal and then back again when the book is done. And although there's a ways down the road, I will just repeat again, I cannot wait to hug you on this book tour. Till next Wednesday.